It is such a blessing to know that each and every service that we get to participate in together is the combined work and worship of all who are a part of it, both those who lead in worship or prayer or reading of scripture or preaching, and those who come prepared, hearts ready to receive the teaching of God's word. In our text this morning, we're going to conclude the last two and a half months in Hebrews 11 and the Hall of Fame of Faith. I came into Hebrews 11 with Hebrews 11 and 12 being two of my favorite chapters in Scripture and have only fallen more and more in love with this example that God has given us of his people. And I absolutely love the way that our author here chooses to wrap up this Hall of Fame. I know the the tendencies of the human mind that we like to inquire and we like to try and put together some patterns. So we're trying to look at this list of faith and trying to extrapolate what's the pattern here. Why, Why did God choose these specific people? Why are they the examples of faith he pulled out? Why did he exclude this one or that one? So sometimes we have this tendency to try and come up with our own idea as to why. But our author today lays that to rest. Let's read Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32, going through to verse 40, and then we will come together in prayer. In Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens of caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This is God's word. Think of the breadth that is mentioned throughout this Hall of Fame of Faith. We have Abel in the first generation after the fall, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Rahab, men and women separated by millennia from every walk and every part of history. But all of them were together bound by a common thread. 
do not forget the statement at the beginning of chapter 11 that the entirety of this list has set to fleshing out. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Each person in this list furthers that aim, the aim of faith. Following that thread of faith through, we've been confronted with some of the most incredible examples of faith that scriptures have to offer. But the few that are mentioned here are only just the beginning. What of Job? What of Joshua and Caleb? What of even the unnamed and unsung faithful throughout history? The ones who maybe they didn't lead nations, but they faithfully led their families, who dedicated their lives serving the Lord. As our author has said, time would fail. For every named individual, there are hundreds and even thousands of others who could just as easily have taken their place as examples of faith. But these are the ones that provided the clearest examples that would have resonated and encouraged the most people. And to me, I find this greatly encouraging. I'm just picturing our author writing this letter to a group of Hebrew believers. He could have just referenced some mutual acquaintance, someone that maybe from that church that the people would have known. What about so-and-so? These readers would have understood the message, but it would have left us some thousands of years later totally in the dark. Well, what about so-and-so? We don't know anything about him. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the words of this letter continue to follow the pattern that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God has provided for us a sampling of his faithful ones, and he has provided us their stories that we might be equipped and grow in our faith. And so happily, we study them. We study the examples that we find throughout Scripture. Each man and woman throughout these pages contributes to the puzzle that displays what a godly, faithful life looks like. It is a blessing that God has given us his word to display this. And it is also a blessing that we have the opportunity to see this walked out in the lives of the faithful today and throughout history. But there's more to it than this. The people of God through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. 
They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, and in the dens and caves of the earth. This is all good. I love a good story of God's faithfulness. I love reading historical biographies of the great tasks and trials and triumphs of bygone men and women of faith. But if it were just a story, it loses some of its power. There's this thread that ties these men and women together that is more than just belief in the same deity. This is not just the individual exploits of men and women in the name of the same God. We can be thankful that history is cumulative, that there's this thread running forth from the Garden of Eden, and that as we mine the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God as he has revealed to us in Scripture, we can see deeper and deeper and clearer and clearer this thread running throughout all of Scripture. It flows from Eden. But where does it flow to? We are not just islands operating for the same God, but otherwise unconnected. The linchpin of this is in our, in our passage. It's the final two verses, 39 and 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This apart from us could throw us for a loop if we got it in our head that it had something to do with us requiring our participation in this. Verse 39, and all these, in all of these we find each man, woman, and child who so faithfully served Yahweh. Every single one who was faithful from the greatest to the least of these. All of these prior to Christ. Each who, are, who persevered unto the end are wrapped up in this thread, but there's something incomplete about their story. They received their commendation, even in the beginning of chapter 11, for by it the people of old received their commendation, there was something that they did get. But there was an ellipsis at the end. There's something waiting. That promise, that ellipsis is fulfilled in what we celebrated here this morning. We read the Creed of Chalcedon, we talked about our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, him fully God and fully man, taking in himself the punishment that was due to all of the sinful world, taking in himself the punishment that his people deserved, and of the righteousness that we receive. When our author was writing, I believe he was intentionally vague about the people. 
Unlike previous entries, each man and woman was selected to drive home a particular facet of faithfulness. But then there's this wind-up designed for one purpose, that we know that each of these, each person mentioned throughout chapter 11, for all of their faithfulness, for all of their commendations, all that they received from God, they died waiting. Not for what, but for he who was promised. I asked Dick if he would read 1 Peter 1. And it ended saying, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look. These prophets mentioned in, in our list, they searched and inquired about the salvation that was to be found in Christ. Like we read in verse 39 of today's, today's passage, all these, that is each and every name mentioned in chapter 11, were awaiting the promise of the Messiah. From the very day that humanity fell and God promised a coming Savior, all the faithful of mankind have hung on that promise. And the culmination of what Dick read earlier picks up in verse 13, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, but it certainly does to me. Earlier, we hopped ahead in our Hall of Fame of Faith. We hopped ahead to chapter 12, verses 1 and following. And it starts, therefore, coming from this hall of fame, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It doesn't matter whether you are Abraham, Moses, Abel, Enoch, or Joe Christian from Elk Point Baptist Church. Not one of us has any hope outside of Christ. The faithfulness of our forebears should always turn our eyes towards Jesus. I find myself reminded of kind of the exasperation of Paul in 1 Corinthians. He's chiding the church. He's like, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. 
What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Old covenant, new covenant. Outside of Christ, there is no hope or future for any of us. God has provided something better for us. That apart from us, no one is made perfect. We all are made perfect in Christ. We all cross the finish line at the same time. Whether Abel, at the very beginning of human history, or the last person to die before Christ returns, we will all cross the finish line at the same time. We all cross the finish line when Jesus Christ says it is finished. In Christ, we all find our salvation. Christianity at times throughout history has been rightly criticized for the instances where the church has stratified its people, dividing them up into the haves and the have-nots, the clergy, the laity, the educated, the common, the noble, and the low of birth. But God's word rightly understood, the only division to be found among mankind that is of any value is those who are part of the kingdom of God and those who are part of the kingdom of darkness. Paul was right. Christ is not divided and neither should his body be. All of us to a one are dependent upon the accomplished work of Christ. Faith in Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection has become what should rightly be the great equalizer of all who would confess faith in him. And each of us, if we hope to be saved, must have faith in him. We must have the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. By faith, the people of old received their commendations. And also it, the people, also by it, the people of all time find their salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Both in the passage in 1 Peter and in chapter 11, moving into chapter 12, there's this assumption that we would be looking into, that the prophets, as they were looking into, they saw Christ and they worshipped him. They saw Christ and were absolutely in awe. They saw a reason for faith and they were granted faith. And from there, they moved and they acted. From there, they put their faith in Christ and then they began to walk it out. Their eyes were turned toward Jesus, and they ran with endurance the race that was set before them. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to look to Christ. Look to Jesus. Now, I know that most, if not all of us, would 
say that we have looked to him as our Lord and our Savior, but truly look to him, continue looking to him, for it is through him that both we and the patriarchs of our faith and everyone in between has been made perfect in our faith. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, according to chapter 12, verse 2. According to chapter 10, 14, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. If we are to be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect, it can only be by the work of Christ. This is not to say that any one of us find ourselves walking the perfect Christian life right now. I know myself just as much as any one of you find many imperfections when I look inwards. It's one thing I love when we gather around the Lord's table. Don't know if I should say I love it. I appreciate it. The moments where I stop and I introspect and I look at my life and see the mess that my life is and I praise God that he has sent his son Jesus Christ that I cannot depend on my own righteousness or my own perfection. But then in all of these things, our eyes will be turned towards Christ. In all of these things, even the great patriarchs of the Old Testament, they were waiting for something. When I went away on my preaching conference earlier this spring, we talked much on the conference about how all of human history, in one way or another, is either looking forward to the cross or looking back at the cross. And we find ourselves looking back at, at the cross with one eye and looking forward to the coming of Christ with another. And I pray that each one of us would find ourselves wrapped in a desire to look to Christ. Whether it is Paul and Apollos and Cephas, Moses, Joshua and Caleb, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, there have always been great men and women that are believers that we can look up to, each providing great encouragement and great example of the life of faith. But especially in today's celebrity-obsessed culture, we must be reminded that each of these needed Christ. No John Piper, John MacArthur, Charles Spurgeon, Sinclair Ferguson, or local church pastor can save a single one of us. And to blindly become raveled up with one teacher is to court danger of being led astray. Measure each and all against the words of Scripture. I would hate to know that everyone here would take my words and take it as gospel truth. I am just as fallible as any one of you. It would be to my greatest encouragement to know that each one of you would check my words against the words of Scripture. And that we together would grow in likeness of Christ. As we compare the great teachers of Christian history, 
So we compare the lives of the church patriarchs and the apostles throughout Scripture. As we compare them to Christ, we grow in faith. We'll be encouraged by the example of the saints, and we will have our eyes repeatedly turned towards Jesus as the only perfect example of faith. That we might see what all of Hebrews is pushing towards. That we might persevere in the faith. That we might not give up on the faith that we have set before us, that we have claimed, and the faith that we have been granted by our Lord Jesus Christ. We press on in the faith that we might rest in Christ and we might find the reward that comes at the end, that we might celebrate together along with saints of all time and all history, all nations, all tribes, all peoples, that we might worship him, for we all need him equally. I'll ask that the worship team come and lead us in closing song. And ask that while they do so, that you would pray with me. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would cause us to cling to Christ. We ask that we would not find our hope in anything else but the gospel that you have given us in your word. God, may we be a church that brings this gospel wherever we go. May we be a church that spreads that gospel far and wide. God, we are so thankful for our brothers and sisters in the church in the Sal Baptist Church in the Philippines, knowing that we were able to encourage them and help them to begin sharing that same gospel, that they have been doing so for 10 blessed years. That is just one tiny example of your faithfulness. And Lord, may we be faithful in whatever you have given us, whatever time, whatever resources, whatever people that you give us as Elk Point Baptist Church, we ask that you would show us the ways in which we might be faithful. Show us the ways where we might continue to extol the virtue of Christ and to share his gospel. God, you would have us persevere in our faith unto the end. And we can only do so if our eyes remain fixed upon the author of our faith, Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts to do so, for we cannot do so alone. God, may we be, be encouraged by the great teachers of the faith that we can find currently online and in person. May we be encouraged by our brothers and sisters that we worship together with on any given Sunday. May we be encouraged by the examples of faith we find in your scriptures. But let us not substitute the created for the creator. 
Let us not substitute the good teacher and the good example for the perfect God-man, Jesus Christ. May we be true to your word, true to your son, Jesus Christ. Pray these things in Jesus' name.